All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you, everyone, for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd first like to thank our sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox Racing, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, ASU Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and of course, even Strokes for all their incredible support, as without them, none of this would be possible. All right, for this episode, we have another Aussie motocross focus show as I'm joined by special guest and privateer hero in MX2 in the Pro-MX in Australia, Liam Andrews of Spectro Elliott Brothers Racing. How's life, mate? And thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, life is good. Just finished up the season, so a bit of downtime for a little bit and then focus on Supercross. Yeah, mate, you've definitely earned hard-earned break. It was a you know great end to the season, obviously getting the best privateer award, seventh in the MX2 class. So you must be pretty happy with that, mate. Top effort by you and sort of a cool recognition for your work. And obviously it must be great sort of satisfaction after coming back from that nasty foot injury as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it's definitely cool to get privateer of the year award. Um, didn't Definitely didn't have the final two rounds we hoped for with a bit of bike trouble and yeah, just... Got a banner caught in my wheel in Moto 2 at Coolum. So not ideal, but yeah, can't thank my team enough. They put in a massive effort and without them this year probably wouldn't have been possible the way it was. Um, And yeah, everyone helps the team out. It was an awesome year. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Before we get on to the team, I just wanted to sort of focus on Coolum a bit. How did you find the track? You looked pretty good, mate. You handling the conditions very well, charging hard still in that second moto before the incident. Catching up with you afterwards, she was certainly well caught up there. You you weren't going anywhere. So, no, it was awesome, mate. The speed looked good. The track was brutal by the end of it, wasn't it? Just digging in. Blokes were sort of really struggling with the heat as well. Did you find that a factor coming from Victoria as well? Uh, yeah, it was definitely a lot hotter up there than what it is down here. Um, I was a little bit sick coming into the weekend too, which didn't help me fitness at all. But yeah, so Moto 1 started off okay. I think I was uh, running around 7th and then dropped back to ninth. And then, yeah, Moto 2, I was running really good. I was in 5th, kind of all over 4th. And then, yeah, ran off track and got a banner caught in my wheel. And yeah, I was stuck. Definitely wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, mate, it was a sort of a shame to end the year that way, but your main thing was you locked up that seventh and, you know, just behind Caden Minia, which is impressive. He was on the factory KTM and sort of one of the next bright stars in Australian motocross, I guess, like yourself now, mate. But are you sad to see Coolum off the calendar now? Obviously, it's a great place to end the series, great location for the finale. And where would you like to see the final now? It's gone. Yeah, just your thoughts on those two. Yeah, I'd never ridden Coolum before this round of the Nationals. Um, but yeah, it's definitely sad to see it go. It was a cool track. Um, it's yeah, definitely disappointing to see another track knocked off, knocked off the calendar. Um, but yeah, I'm not, not even sure where I'd like to see the final round. So probably somewhere up in Queensland, a bit nicer weather up there. Yeah. yeah um, but other, literally other than QMP, Coolum and Toowoomba, I haven't actually ridden any tracks up there. So hopefully I find another good one up that way. Yeah, do you reckon hopefully they consult the riders with that decision too, I guess, because there's definitely been a lot of talk about the tracks this year. Obviously, some of them has been out of their control with weather conditions and things like that, but there's been a, a few hit and miss tracks on the calendar, hasn't there, mate? And just your thoughts on them. And overall, it's certainly been challenging, I guess, to say the least. Yeah, the weather gods didn't help us this year. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's definitely a track on the calendar I'm not the biggest fan of, but most of the tracks were pretty good. One thaggy was pretty unfortunate the track was actually shaping up to be pretty good um appen was wet aubrey was wet yeah maitland was wet in moto two uh gilman was a really good day and then the three queensland rounds really good as well actually toowoomba was probably my favorite track out of the out of the lot this year um and then qmp was cool as well 
Yeah, there's definitely some good. There's a good range of tracks in there. Just obviously with the schedule the way it is, and it's so separated that obviously you know creates a bit of havoc with you blokes because you probably want more rounds and less breaks in the schedule. I think there was a seven weeker before those last two. So how do you sort of manage that? Does it sort of get frustrating to you as a racer and a, a rider that just wants to race, don't you? Yeah, it's definitely it's yeah, it feels a bit weird because you have like kind of five rounds like fairly close together, and then yeah, you got that seven week break and. Almost feels like the off season again, but you got to keep training for the whole time. But it's definitely cool to have a break. But yeah, just be cool to fill up that gap with another couple of rounds or something, extend the series out. Yeah, mate. It was sort of cool to see your progression over the year. Obviously, you're just really holding your own and you definitely probably feel like you belong up in that top five sort of category and moving ahead at certainly exciting times give you a good boost of confidence. But yeah, was there sort of some key things you learned throughout the year? Obviously you're always learning being a young rider, but was there sort of some key takeaways, I guess, just from getting that, you know, continuity with the season, I guess, racing those really heavy hitters in the class. Cause there's, it's a pretty stacked class, isn't it, mate? Yeah, it's definitely stacked. It's hard. Like, cause you got, oh, you kind of got the front guys and then you've got like maybe five to 10 riders that are all really similar speed. But yeah, I think the main thing for me was my start at the, beginning of the year was absolutely terrible and then yeah towards the end of the year i got them a lot better which definitely helps when you're not having to fight through the pack the whole time but no nah, it was a good year all in all yeah absolutely mate and just back to the sort of team and your program just tell us a bit about it you know it's a pretty cool setup there you know you guys do a great job with obviously limited resources compared to the factory guys so just tell us a little bit about the parts on the bike and how stock is it and just sort of how you make it all work and and who are the key players behind making it happen for you uh, yeah, so probably the main main person behind it all, his name's David Tudnam. He's also my boss as well as kind of team manager. Um, but yeah, he puts in a massive effort, loves the sport. As always, he's helped me right throughout juniors. I was, I think, eight years old when I started going through Elliot Brothers. Wow. Um, but yeah, he puts in a massive effort. His family, his whole family put in a huge effort as well. Um, and then my mum and dad, obviously. Dad does all my bike work. So dad, oh. He would have spent hours and hours in the shed this year just tinkering away with my bikes, trying to get all the power he can out of them. Um, and it showed in the final few rounds when I actually got my start sorted. I was right up the front every time. So, But, yeah, obviously we have a bunch of sponsors behind the team as well, which put in a huge effort. Sam Timmons, he puts in a massive effort as well. And then, yeah, we have a bunch of guys at the shop that come along to each round, help set up. But, yeah, there's a massive team behind us. And, yeah, without them it wouldn't be possible. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's pretty cool to get to sort of, you know, people you know really well to get to share the success you have and must be pretty awesome. And obviously everyone's sort of working for those fine margins of improvement, especially with the 250 and, and your old man doing the work. So are you pretty handy at uh, that sort of stuff too on the mechanics and setting up the bike and doing testing? Obviously you've grown up with it. So is that something, a skill that you're pretty good at as well? Um, Yeah, definitely not the mechanic me dad is, um, but I do know <laughs> my way around the bike. Um, and yeah, as I've gotten older, I've gotten a bit more picky with my bike setup. Yeah. So to say, if I feel the bike doing something, I can kind of tell, what would you say, tell me dad or tell me suspension guys what it's doing and we can work it out from there. Um, but when I was younger, I just used to ride the bike <laughs> or if the bike was no good, it would ride me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you also, mate, how was your progression through to becoming a professional? What did your, your sort of career pathway look like? And when did you sort of realize you could become a professional? Cause You've certainly got the speed and the skills to go a long way, mate. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I've been racing since I was about five, I think. And, yeah, had a bit of success as a junior, not not heaps, but I spent a lot of my time injured, even in my senior career. So I think 
this year was the first full season I've completed since 2015 without injury. Um, COVID year, I wasn't doing a whole lot of riding. I didn't get injured in 2021. But yeah, from 2015 to 2022, I pretty much had a like a pretty hefty injury each year, which is definitely a setback. But yeah, we've always kind of come back as strong, if not stronger. But yeah, it's always I always feel like I'm chasing my tail around trying to get back to where I was. Oh, mate, it's a brutal sport, isn't it? Just sort of give us a list of some of those injuries you've been through, mate. And it's pretty impressive that you've sort of come back to get to where you are now, running it with those top guys. And how sort of challenging is it mentally to sort of keep coming back from all that? Because you just want to be out there, mate, and you're just stuck on the couch. It's just no good. Oh, no, it's definitely draining. Like, yeah, I remember 2017, I had a big one. I actually went to America. And this was, I had a massive crash in 2016 where I got airlifted from the track. And then 2017, I was in America just at a practice track testing. I was going to race the minios over there. And yeah, I hit a jump, me bike cut out in the air. I landed down the side of it and broke my femur. And the top of my shoulder, I broke the humerus as well. Um, and oh, I was just over it. I was laying in the <laughs> laying on the ground at Parlour, Fox Raceway. Oh. I'm like, nah, that's it, I'm done. And that's then crazy. yeah, yeah, saw the trip out, I had to stay over there for two weeks to prevent getting a blood clot on the plane. And yeah, that was pretty, pretty crap time. But yeah, I was remember I was completely over it. I said to that oh, I'm done, and he goes, Oh yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> and then I think it was just as I started walking around again, I got the itch and yeah, got back on not long after. Oh, that's crazy, mate. They're two massive injuries. You see blokes doing those and, you know, they're bad enough in isolation, let alone dealing with it in a, you know, a foreign country. And when you just really don't, you don't know anything, you don't know the system. So that must've been brutal, mate. And do you plan to get back to America one day or race MXGP or what, what's the sort of future plans for you, mate? Or you just keep oh. it in Australia for now? Oh, that would be the dream for sure. Um, I'll, I'll probably keep it Australia for a bit longer. I want to prove myself here first. And then if I'm going really good here, I'll probably try and put in a bit of effort and go overseas somewhere. But yeah, that'll be the goal one day for sure. Yeah, mate, there's plenty of time. And it's pretty interesting. Obviously, there's a lot of, you know, talk about Brody going to America, Brody Connolly, the, you know, the factory rider in the Australia here with your Reeves team on the MX2 class. And, you know, it seemed like maybe a logical step. If he's going over there, you'd be a pretty prime candidate to step into that slot there. So has there been any talks, mate, with any teams? Are you sort of in any conversations or it's just you're doing your own thing for now? Oh, doing my own thing for now. But, yeah, I'm definitely hoping I'm in a few conversations. Having a factory team behind you is a fair bit of weight lifted off your shoulders. So hopefully I did enough this year to open up a few eyes. But, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, mate, it'd be pretty cool to do a professional because obviously you, you work as well on the side as well as doing the racing. So just tell us a little bit about that and how much time you get to ride each week and how much time you sort of spend working. Yeah, so I still work a full week of 38 hours um, over four days and then I ride the other three. If there's just, say, national coming up, I'll take an extra day off, so I'll only work three. And then obviously with the Queensland rounds, we stayed up there in between, so just had a bit of time off, a bit of downtime. But, yeah, it's definitely hard trying to keep on top of your training when you got to work full-time as well. Yeah, it's, that's crazy, mate. It's impressive what you guys do. The privateers sort of, you know, just chasing the dream and it's all, you know, fueled by passion and stuff. So, yeah, mate, it's it's cool to see you guys, you know, just putting in the hard yards to get as good as possible and hopefully the rewards pay off in the future, mate. But I just wanted to ask about that foot injury you had. How much does that still affect you? Because I was listening to one of Trent's podcasts on Moto Limited and, you know, quite recently, and you know, you were telling him that it's still like a major sort of hindrance. So how is it now? And is it, do you reckon it'll ever be, you know, back to full health or is it just something you're going to have to manage throughout your career probably? 
oh, I definitely hope it gets back to full health. But yeah, so I broke my foot, I think it was midway through last year. It was after round four, actually. So yeah, at the midway point of the season last year, just at a local race, not even at a national. And yeah, I crushed the navicular in my foot. Had to get bone graft and plate and screws put in that. And then, yeah, at I think three months after I did it, I could start walking around on it. And then I got the the plate and screws out not long after. I think I actually left two screws in there. Then, yeah, about, I think it was about six months after that injury, I could start riding again, which was, I think, January this year. So I got back on the bike just before the start of the season. And then it was, yeah, it's, it's still hard because I can't ride on my toes much on that foot. And to say, if I land hard off a jump, I have to land on my left leg to absorb all the impact because it's just too much through my right foot. Then I have to be real careful when I dab my foot too. If I dab it too hard, it'll flare up for like a lap or two and then uh, it kind of comes good. But I remember I I dabbed it lap one at Coolum actually. I dabbed it in a corner and then it ripped my foot back and I smacked it into the axle nut on my swing arm. And yeah, right where I broke it. So that was sore for the whole race and sore for the rest of the day. Yeah, it's feeling all right now, but yeah, I was pretty sore after that. Oh, mate, it's brutal, isn't it? Yeah, hopefully it comes good because, yeah, it's sort of something that's obviously affecting your riding you and you're adapting your style around it, which is not ideal, mate. But you're being a bigger bloke. Is, is the 450 something you've done much on? And, you know, how soon would you be looking to progress up onto that? I trained. So I was training on a 250 last year, but I was just wearing them out too quick. Yeah. So we made the decision this year to just train on a 450 full time. And I definitely enjoy riding it. Def- a bit more of a handful than the 250. But <laughs> I um I was nearly tempted to go 450 this year, but I want to prove myself on the 250 first and then jump up to the bigger bike. Oh, it's pretty cool, mate. It's a good option to have, obviously, being as young as possible, getting on those 450s. And it's always puts you in good stead if you wanted to go to, you know, MXGP because that age rule being 23 sort of, you know, stops a lot of blokes from, you know, making that step up. And it's a big gap from MX2 to MXGP. So, yeah, is that something that's obviously holding you in good stead? And if you look at the MXGP series and watch it closely and sort of look at the level, and it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, those guys are crazy over there. The depth in the 450 class is next level over there. It's bloody amazing to watch, that's for sure. Yeah, mate. Who are your favourites from from that series? Obviously, we cover it pretty heavily on MX Vice. And even like, you know, the EMX 250 and the MX2 guys, their weapons. But you sort of look to the guys like Hurling's guys, Prado, Fevre, even Mitch Evans. It's cool to see him mixing it up there. So is there any favourites you sort of look to and gain percenters here and there, mate? Yeah, it's it's definitely cool to see Mitch going well over there. I um I went to the world titles with him in 2014, along with Jet and Hunter, actually. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, big big fan of Fevre as well. I really like his style. Geis was cool as well. I like watching him. And then Hurlings was an absolute weapon in the sand. Yeah. It's pretty crazy some of the stuff he does. Yeah, mate. Tell us about that trip because it would have been pretty cool basically seeing, yeah, that's the motocross the nation's team from last year and probably going to be it this year. But how were the boys back then, mate? Did you you sort of see the talent obviously back then? You hear a lot of blokes talking about them growing up in Australia, how good they were before they made the trip to Europe, then America. But how talented were they back then in your eyes, mate? And you could probably see back then they were destined for big things. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure Hunter actually broke his wrist. We went to Belgium in 2014. And, I'm yeah, I'm fairly sure Hunter broke his wrist, so he didn't actually get to finish off the, the Worlds. But, yeah, obviously Jet won that year, which was pretty cool. Um, I had a bit of bike issues, so I didn't go as good as what I liked. But, yeah, it was definitely cool hanging out with them. 
Yeah, it must have been a good experience anyway, mate, just sort of getting your feet wet over there because those kids are fast and there's a lot of sort of fast kids coming and there's fast kids in Australia too, like that MX3 class. It's a good breeding ground of talent too, isn't it, mate? So just your thoughts on that and obviously the the initial step into Europe must have been a bit of an eye-opener, I'd imagine. Yeah, the MX3 class was pretty cool. We did have the – it was called the MXD class in yep. Australia for a while, which is under 19s. Yep. Um, and then they changed it to MX3, which is 14 to 18, which I think is more similar to the EMX class in Europe. Yep. But, yeah, it's pretty cool, I reckon. Yeah, mate, it's good for the kids. And obviously, you just expect to probably see more and more coming through. And obviously, there's a lot of training facilities going around in Australia. Is that something that you might be looking to get into? And just your thoughts on it in general, like you see with the Baker's Factory and the Star Racing in America, I guess it sort of breeds that competition and that sort of edge. And, you know, that competition just makes people raise to the next level. So do you think that's a good thing? And are you looking to joining one maybe at some point? Or are you happy with the program now? It's obviously working for you anyway. Yeah, the program on now is good, but yeah, I think to go to that next level, you kind of need to be on a program. But yeah, there's obviously, there's a few up in Queensland going and then there's one or a couple down in Victoria as well. So I probably will look into that eventually. But yeah, I think to go to that next level, I need just to train with guys around me that are kind of got the same goal. So yeah, is there many sort of similar level guys around where you're living, mate? Or is it sort of just you as the main guy? Have you got a few good training partners? Oh, where I'm from in Bendigo, it's pretty much just me. I've got a few people that I ride with um, that also do nationals. But as far as like, what do you say, factory riders go, there's um a program down in Gippsland, which is a few hours away from me, where a bunch of factory guys go to. And yeah, they're always chasing each other around, which can only be a benefit. So I reckon, yeah, program next year would be the go. Yeah. Did you ever get down there and just do some training on the odd days or haven't done that yet? Oh, I've been down there a handful of times, but never never really consistently. No, it'll be good, mate. It gives you a nice option to look towards anyway. And just obviously with the privateer stuff being that basically you guys are the lifeblood of the sport. So just how tough is it and how much do you actually do yourself? Obviously, you get the support, but there's still a lot that goes into it. Obviously, you've got to work out all your own photos, do your media, organise your travel, your flights. There's, there's so much that goes into it, which is... I guess people don't see with all that behind the scenes stuff, but all that gets lifted off you if you're a factory rider. So just give us a little bit more insight into sort of how much you do to prepare because it's not easy, is it, for you? No, nah, it's definitely not. It's not, it's like a full-time job on top of a full-time job. But, yeah, we're lucky enough to have Pulse Media coming around with us doing a lot of our media stuff. And then, yeah, obviously Elliot Brothers helped me get the race bikes sorted and give me all the parts I need. And then, yeah, Dad sets up the bikes, the race bikes, and I pretty much do all my practice bike stuff. So all like the servicing, tyres, chain sprockets, and just, yeah, doing that after work takes it out of you as well. Got to work a 10-hour day and then go home, do bike work, get up early the next day. And it sucks. Where I live too in Bendigo, there's no kind of tracks near me. So I'm driving at least an hour and a half each way minimum to get to a track. Oh. which which takes it out here as well. Oh, mate, that's impressive. That's so brutal, isn't it? You'd think uh, someone might have to build one there for you, mate, because that's, that's a lot of travel on top of all you do. But, yeah, just wanted to get your sort of take on the state of, I guess, the sport in Australia. You're happy with how it's all going? The fan numbers have been pretty good. The TV package is excellent. The media coverage is definitely at a good level for Australian motocross. So are you sort of happy with it? Or is there any areas for improvement, I guess? Maybe some more coverage for the privateers. A lot of guys would say, but, you know, it's it's a tough balance. But it's definitely going in a good direction, especially when we look at, at MX Vice. You know, the British Championship is, you know, not as smoothly run with the TV package and a lot of other things. So they're definitely getting a lot of things right in Australia, aren't we? Yeah, for sure. 
to be able to go home and then watch your races on TV after is unreal, I reckon. And then because you, you can watch Moto One and Two, Moto Two's on SBS, and then Moto One's just on the ProMX website. But yeah, it's cool because when you kind of when you're running near the front, about where I am, you do get a bit of TV time. So it's cool just to watch like, oh yeah, you watch Jet and Hunter on TV and watch their style, and then you can go back and watch yourself too. Think, oh yeah, Jet's standing up here, I'm sitting down here, and yeah, just kind of study it a bit, which which is really cool, I reckon. Yeah, you would be pretty big on analysing lap times and techniques and all the little finer details to make yourself better, mate. Is that something you sort of religiously do? You watch all the races and, yeah, the American stuff always has some pretty excellent, you know, maybe a bit more close-up camera angles, I guess, in the MXGP. They're all good, but, yeah, the, the American stuff, you're probably definitely keeping an eye on as well. Yeah, for sure. I always kind of go back to the pits and just say after qualifying, I'll check out the split times there. I'm losing most of my time. And then, yeah, kind of, I'll always go watch the 450 class as well and the MX3 class, see what lines they're doing, see which lines are smooth, see which lines people are passing people on. And then, yeah, it's always good to, to say when you go out training just to get a few videos, whether or not you post them on Instagram or not. But, yeah, just kind of analyse what you're doing, what you can do better, like show other people, see what they reckon. But, yeah, just always trying to improve. Yeah, that's it, mate. And just, yeah, with the Pro MX1 class in Australia, it's extremely stacked this year. Obviously, you had like Ferris Beat and Webster, Tanny, Clout, Waters, Gibbs, Duffy, Metcalf, Joel Evans. Like, there's so many guys that must be pretty cool going to the races and just watching them every weekend as well. And, you know, that's probably one of the better, you know, most stacked classes in around 10 years. A lot of the guys I've spoken to are saying. So, you know, it just keeps getting better and better, doesn't it? Great for the fans, great for you guys to to watch. And then you'll be stepping into that class one day, mate. So it's definitely going in a good direction, the Aussie motocross at the moment. They're attracting the talent and, and the high caliber talent as well. Yeah, for sure. The MX1 class this year has been unbelievable to watch. And even the uh, the MX2 class, what I'm racing in, that's been like next level this year as well. There's like, yeah, 10 to 15 guys all running pretty similar lap times. So it's always tough racing. And then watching the MX1 class in between is just as good. So Yeah, mate, you can't go wrong. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you, obviously, you're preparing for Supercross now, mate. Uh, how's it going? What's your take on, obviously, just a three-round series? And are you confident you can put up some good results, mate? And have you got some tracks nearby that, obviously, you can go to within two hours? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely cool that we're still running a Supercross series here in Oz. Haven't actually got suspension done up yet. We only just got back from Queensland. But I'll get some set up probably late this week or early next week and then, yeah, start testing on it. I've got a track that's about an hour and a half away and then, yeah, the rest of them are about three or four hours away. So we'll have to, yeah, do a bit of travelling, but, yeah, see how we're going in it and then, yeah, give give the Adelaide round a crack, see how we go there and then, yeah, hopefully progress from there. Did you hear about that Adelaide round? It's obviously in like an entertainment centre, so that you're hearing like only like 10 guys will qualify for the main event. Have you heard about that? And what are your thoughts on it? I did hear about that, actually. Only 10 guys are going to be in the main event. Hopefully we're one of them. But yeah, I've heard they're running a almost like a B main as well. So for the guys that didn't qualify. Yeah, definitely. So that'd be cool. worth your while. Yeah, hopefully we're in the A main. But yeah, I've heard it's going to be a pretty tight track. So probably be a good one to start out. I won't be as technical, but yeah, hopefully we can make the main event. Yeah, it'll be pretty cool. You get to be racing against Max Anstey as well, the defending champ. It's always good to get someone, you know, like that to bring some more, you know, impetus and spotlight to the series. So, yeah, you're looking forward to doing that again? Yeah, that'd be cool as I reckon. Because he's, uh, he's certainly a heavy hitter, that's for sure, mate. And, yeah, that your Eve team's going to be pretty stacked, obviously, with Brayton and Wilson and all these guys sort of all battling it out and Yamaha guys, KTM guys. It's going to be... It's going to be bloody good, mate. And I wanted to also get your thoughts on the topic of uh, the motocross of nations. Who would you pick as, 
alongside the Lawrence brothers? Would you would you do Jet and Hunter on four fifties? Leave Hunter on the two fifty. Would you put Ferris on a four fifty? Wilson Todd on a two fifty. Then obviously, or you just leave Evans as, as the you know like the same as last year. There's just so many options, mate. The depth's great. Have, have you got a particular preference you'd be looking towards? Yeah, Jet and Hunter are kind of a no brainer. Probably I'd leave Hunter on the two fifty. Mm. And then I reckon the team last year we had could have won. We just need a little bit more luck to go our way with Mitch on it. Ferris could be a good option as well because Ferris has been overseas, obviously, and done well before. Even Kyle Webster, when he went over, he did really well. But yeah, probably just the team last year, I reckon. If they yeah, can have a bit more safe. luck, I reckon they can they can win. Yeah, it's pretty safe, mate. There's a lot of chat about it. I don't think it's there's no need to be really putting Hunter on a 450. So, yeah, I think... That's probably the you know the way to go looking ahead, but it certainly wouldn't want to be the man making the selection. That's for sure. But you'd think, yeah, Evans is doing fine. He had a bit of sickness on the weekend, which cost him at the end. But yeah, he got second in warm up on a track like that in Arnhem was brutal. So yeah, there's definitely signs that the last few rounds you'll, you'll piece it together and be ready for it, mate. So yeah, just back to yourself, mate. Is there sort of any particular areas you're looking for improvement and areas you believe you're excelling in and you know, just your pathway in general, mate, and your style and your technique, just explain it to the listeners as well. Yep. Well, my starts were obviously a big improvement throughout the year. Um, and then I'll, I've been really working hard on trying to stand up a bit more with my trainer, Shane Boyd. So that's one thing we've been working on in particular. And we've been working pretty hard on sprint speed too. At the first, oh, like six rounds this year, I qualified like 12th or 15th and then I'd always finish like well inside the top 10 but yeah always gives you a crap gate pick so I was working on sprint speed starts and yeah just standing up more and then obviously me fitness towards the end of the race I was pretty good at most tracks but yeah Coolum was pretty tough and especially being sick didn't help me but yeah just little things here and there just trying to get those little one percenters in to get to that next level yeah, doing everything in your power to sort of you keep that progression going because it's been sort of going in a very good direction. So and just like your thoughts on just being a motocross racer in general, obviously, I guess in a lot of ways it's a pretty selfish sport and you sort of need to suffer a lot to get to the top, don't you, mate? So you guys obviously must just relish getting up every day and, and putting in the work and just, you know, have you got any advice for, I guess, kids in Australia and overseas listening to this on what it takes to, to be a pro because it's not easy, but if you love it, you know, it's all part of it, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Obviously, just be committed. Like, I I grew up like, with a bunch of schoolmates that would always go out drinking and, like, partying and that. And then eventually they just stopped inviting me to go partying because I'd always turn them down, say, oh, no, I'm going racing or going training down this way. But, yeah, you just got to stay committed and work towards it. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's not an easy path, mate, but you you sort of everything you can to get there. And just a couple more before we let you go, mate. Uh, how much do you have to do with the designing of the graphics? Because obviously that one at Toowoomba for Retro Round was pretty awesome and you sort of like that kind of stuff, mate. It sort of gives you another string to your bow. Yeah, it's definitely cool. So I work pretty closely with uh, Max from Will Max Graphics here in Australia. And yeah, I pretty much, I'll kind of get a design that I like and then I'll run it by just say Dave and Pulse Media Make sure they like it. If they don't, we'll change it a little bit. I think the the grey kit we did that we ran all year, I ended up changing that like 20 times or something, which I think Max was getting a little bit <laughs> little bit annoyed with. Um, And then, yeah, the Toowoomba graphics kit, that was a cool one to do as well. So we had two different designs for Retro Round and we went with the Woody Woodpecker. Yep. But, yeah, that definitely looked pretty awesome on the bike, so... 
Yeah, it was definitely one of the highlights of that round, mate, amongst the, a host of other ones. And just wanted to ask you, how do you sort of find dealing with the the pressure and I guess the weight of expectation you put on yourself and or maybe you feel from those around you? And do you sort of have any strategies when you're on the gate, like you do some breathing or you, you know, you put the headphones in before you, you hit it just to pump up or what's the sort of process there, mate? Or are you pretty calm? Oh, I'm usually pretty calm. I just try and always make sure I get the forearm stretched out, get my gate prep properly. And yeah, just kind of try and relax before the gate drops. Yeah, mate, that's probably the way to go. Just just keep a level head and not not get too amped up and overexcited. So no, that's cool, mate. And another one, how do you like dealing with the media? Do you like doing these kind of things, podcasts, interviews after the race? Uh, it's all part of it, I guess, but a lot of guys feel it as a bit more draining. And do you say prefer doing this kind of thing more than the actual race stuff? Because you get pretty busy on race days, don't you? Yeah, definitely flat out on race day. Um, I think it, it's definitely really cool. You feel like you're kind of... Yeah, building up your your rider profile a little bit, getting yourself a little bit more out there, doing podcasts and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I enjoy doing it, that's for sure. Yeah, nice one, mate. And just before I let you go, just, yeah, thanks again for taking the time and just want to give you a chance to sort of give the listeners, you know, give anyone a shout-out you want to, where people can follow you, where they can follow your story and just anyone you'd like to thank in particular for all their help with the, with the journey and, mate, and doing everything you do. Uh, yeah, so you can keep up with like my racing on my Instagram, which is LiamAndrews32, and then I've got a Facebook page as well. And then, yeah, obviously, I just want to thank my team, David Tudnam, uh, Chris Tudnam, Sam Timmons, me mum and me dad especially. They put in a massive effort. Alpine Star, 6D, Dunlop, Cycra. Just, yeah, everyone that helps out the team, they put in a massive effort, and it definitely doesn't go unnoticed. Oh, absolutely, mate. And yeah, cheers again for taking the time, mate. It's really impressive to see what you're doing. And, you know, we'll be all following you closely at MX Vice. We definitely look forward to getting you back on soon, mate. But before we let you go, we'll just thank the sponsors for this one in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbis, ASU Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and of course, even Strokes for all their incredible support. As without them, none of this would be possible. All right, mate, all the best for Supercross and uh, the rest of the season and the year and looking to next year. We look forward to getting you back on soon to check in with you. Yep, too easy. Thanks heaps for having me on. No worries, mate. Cheers.